Welcome to the Conduit Deeper podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series. From current events to fascinating finds to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. First of the year, 2023. My name is Mo, campus pastor at Conduit Church, joined with a very special guest to start off the new year, our mission pastor and young adult pastor, Eric Newberry. I am so glad to be here, Mo. This is where we kind of edit in the applause, like from the background, a little, little applause. Eric Newberry is joining us this week. Darren has had the week off. He's had a couple couple weeks off-ish. You know, he had the the Christmas Eve service preparing for that, and that was a long day and an amazing day. Um, but over the New Year's, uh, took some time um, just to be with family, and so, which meant it was a great opportunity for Eric to jump in and lead us on Sunday. And I'm so glad that he was able to do that. And we're going to dive into that here shortly. But um, with it being 2023, I mean, it's the beginning of the brand new year. It's January. Are you a, are you a resolutions guy? I'm, you know, I am a resolutions guy. Are you a New Year resolutions? guy? I am. Um, I'm also just a random part of the year resolution guy. So I like to just make resolutions. It's just something I do. Could be January. It, it could, could be, be mid March, October resolutions. But you definitely take advantage of January first. <laughs> you know. So yeah, we're we're big on on new goals and and new resolutions and um this year this year I'm proud of them cuz they're they're spiritual. Okay. Yeah. Is it bad that I'm not a resolutions guy? No, it's fine. I don't have I'm not I've I've never really gotten into that. I maybe did when I was younger. I don't know, man. This I don't know if it's the cynic in me or like I know myself too well. I don't want to overcommit to something that I know is just going to fall off. Let, let me tell you what I'm not. I'm not a public resolutions yeah. guy. Yeah. And I, I think that's... To what, avoid accountability? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you, if if you're training for a marathon on January 1st and you're eating Twinkies in, right. in February, right. your friends are going to call you out. It's true. It's risky. So it's I just true. privately set my goals and then I accomplish them and then I tell no one. Yeah, that's probably the best way to go about it. I, I, if I do anything, it's it's within those parameters. Yeah. Yes, they they are held tightly to the vest and yeah. conquer them myself. That's right. And I don't need a calendar to tell me when to start that. That's right. And I'll, we'll pat our own backs. <laughs> that's right. And keep moving forward. You uh, you taught about. Um, a couple of things here. It was the the great commandment, the great commission, um, following the taillights that the Lord has given us to help keep us on track to Correct. follow Him. And you told this amazing story that uh, that that we shared. We shared in yeah. this in this story the 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 off road adventure that we had as a staff of what, a few months ago. Um, our team of guys uh, went out to the middle of Hickman County, middle of nowhere, Tennessee, which was awesome, on a beautiful fall day. You could not have asked for a more perfect fall weather day that it, particular day. It, it actually was perfect. I mean, yeah, we're just driving through the through the county in our ATVs, um, doing this little tour, 
And we're just looking around thinking, how did we land such perfect weather? I remember looking at you thinking, how is it so perfect outside? But it was this beautiful fall day. And yeah, I mean, we're riding together. I've never really done one of those side by side. Yeah, me either. Trips. We, I think we were too poor. Yeah, I definitely didn't. I mean, I grew up a suburban kid uh, in, a, in, a, in a poorer town. You know, not like a, like the booming metropolis of Nashville. It was like, you know, just Dayton, a couple Ohio. of Ohio boys. Couple of, you know what? Yeah, for those that may not know, I mean, Eric is an Ohio guy. Another Ohioan has infiltrated. Yeah, uh, Nashville. And so, yeah, I mean, I didn't grow up with doing anything ATV related. No, no, and and even when we were growing up, those those kind of side by sides weren't even. They we had golf carts, right? You know, that was a side by side growing up. So these are brand new, these are modern inventions that are just absolutely the most fun thing you can do. I mean, I can't even, I can't believe how much fun, you know, what's amazing is it was like transporting back to your days riding go-karts, you know, as a young, as a child, you just could not wipe that smile off your face. So if you get a chance... Uh, Fisher's Off-Road. Fisher's Off-Road out in uh, Williamsport, I think it is. So, Hickman Just Hickman Google County. it. It's unbelievable. And so we took this four-hour trip, and we are we are flying down dirt roads. I'm trying – unless you do it, it's hard to explain. But we are, we're moving. Oh, yeah. We are moving. Dust is kicking up. Mm-hmm. You can't see the road. At you, all. You can't see anything. You got goggles on. You got face mask on. You got it. You got everything on to protect you, but all you can see is the driver in front of you, the cart in front of you, which is exhilarating and terrifying at the exact same That's time. That's right. Because, <laughs> I mean, these are these are the hills of Tennessee, over the hills and through the woods oh. type scenario, which is again fun, but you have no idea where you're going. Which was such a great analogy for um, for maybe 2022 the year that we just came out of, for many of us, we're just holding on for dear life to try to get Mm. through this thing. Dirt's kicking up, mud's kicking up, dust in the eyes, um, having a hard time maybe breathing or catching your breath. I felt all of those things uh, on that trip. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) And do you remember when the, do you remember when the armadillo came flying across the path? Oh, I absolutely do. We knew at that moment that our life could be over. We were driving by faith at that point. <laughs> yeah, we were driving by faith. It was so funny. It was like another thing that happens. This armadillo just bolts in front of us. Yeah. It's hysterical. I don't think we hit it. I don't know how we, we didn't. didn't hit it. Jesus took the wheel. <laughs> um, but it was just this great analogy um, for, for following the taillights. And yeah, maybe explain that a little bit. Like these, these, two, ta- these two taillights, <clears throat> excuse me, that the, that the Lord gives us to keep us on track what what made you focus on those two things specifically? Yeah, I mean, the great commandment being the most uh, the most premier one, because you know Jesus, he he follows, he finishes up the great commandment with all the law and the prophets. In this, they're fulfilled, you know, and it's there. There's this concept in the New Testament of the what we do in love, you know, being. Uh, being impenetrable, right? This 1 Corinthians 13 kind of layout of, 
if you go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, give all you own to the poor. Like if you don't have love, it's meaningless, it's noise. And Jesus is saying, you know, this is how important this commandment is. And so I wanted to use that one because it's one everyone knows. Everyone knows the great commandment. Um, everyone knows that the job of the first and foremost job of a believer or a follower of Jesus is to love God with everything they have, right? Yeah, all of your heart, your mind, your soul. And, you know, it's Jesus being Jesus in the fact that he's referencing Old Testament. Yeah. Here, when he's when he says this mm-hmm. in Matthew, specifically, which is which is what we what you used on Sunday to teach, is the passage in Matthew. He's really referencing um, Leviticus and Deuteronomy, uh, specifically Deuteronomy six, that we would love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our soul, and all of our might. Mm-hmm. And so he's referencing these commands that the Pharisees would have absolutely known. So much so that, you know, in Jewish custom, they recite the great commandment uh, two times a day. If you're Jewish, you know this. Um, Every morning when you wake up, that's the, the, the commandment, the prayer, the verse that you recite. And every evening before you go to bed, it's the last thing you're supposed to say. Which, you know, perhaps should be something that we should consider and adopt for our own lives as a reminder, as a calibration when we wake up and when we go to sleep. That's right. That's right. You know, you wake up and turn the lights on and that's a good practice uh, to have. And it's a good taillight to recenter on when when life does get blurry. When it, uh, you know, Darren quoted the great philosopher Mike Tyson this <laughs> What you don't know is I quote that saying all the time and everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Yeah. You know, until you get punched in the face. Mike Tyson said that. And, you know, when you get punched in the nose, your eyes water up. They well up. You can call it tears. I just say it's water. It makes me feel tougher. Um, But anyone who's been punched in the nose knows how difficult it is to see and to fight back when your eyes are completely covered. For a lot of people, I just felt like 22, 2021, and certainly 2020. You know, there's a lot of folks that have had a tough few years and life has uh, has become blurry and dusty. And, and in that, you know, when you are in a fog long enough, you start to not recognize where you're at anymore mm-hmm. and and you start to become disoriented and and you start to lose your way and that's why i thought the message was so important was coming back to you know one tail light being the great commandment come back to this love for god you know and and in that love for god everything else is is fulfilled when did that great commandment become part of your life? I, you didn't grow up in a Christian home. No, not at all. Um, you know, it, it, I, I never loved God until uh, a moment in time where I was desperate. And in desperation in the middle of the night, you know, I called on the name of Jesus. And, um, and he showed up. 
and it wasn't an empty prayer at all. It was a powerful prayer where he showed up in the room with me and not physically, of course, but the Holy Spirit showed up. And it was over the next few days where his love for me was revealed. And the first time in my life that I, that I thought, you know, that God actually loves me. He actually loves me, you know. He loves us first. And it was in response to that love where I started the process of the great commandment. And, and the reason why I wanted to bring up the great commandment as well is it's because it's such a relatable verse that everyone knows. And it's the most difficult verse to live out, right? And that's why I call it a process. It really is a process that we live out. If you've noticed, your love for God grows as you pursue him over the years. And so I loved him in response to his love for me. And my love has consistently grown over the last 10 or 11 years of of faith. And so this is... um, I think an every year verse that mm-hmm. we could come back to and go like, let me take an inventory of, do I love God? Do I actually love him or am I serving him out of, out of duty? Am I serving him because I'm afraid of what comes next or do, am I serving him because I love him? And, you know, there's just something different about being fueled by love. I kind of want to unpack what you said a second ago about this commandment being so difficult to live by. Because in its, um, it, it, the, the basic part of the verse is very simple. Like just love the Lord with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Mm-hmm. But it feels like... Um, the reason it's so hard is because we love the Lord with most of our heart, hopefully all of our soul, mm-hmm. and maybe some of our mind, you know, because of all of the things coming our way throughout the, the year, all of the things that are coming our way throughout a week, this starts to kind of take over parts of our heart, um, you know, whether it's gosh, it could be our job, it could be relationship, it could be opportunity, it could be money, it could be it could be sports. Things that become idols in our life. Yeah. To start to supersede his preeminence of being um, the, the one and only. You know, he's a jealous God, right? Mm-hmm. He is pursuing us. And I think... It, over the course of weeks and months and years, it's, it becomes more difficult to love him with all of us and things start to take up residence in our heart for sure start to take up residence in our mind Mm -hmm. with worry, anxiety, culture, completely pressing in on ideas, ideologies, um, opinions, thoughts, culture in and of itself is so oppressive with with um, new ideas and counter arguments and all of these things start to kind of just take over and it, it can it can be difficult for that to be the great commandment that we live by every single day, which is why it's probably so important that we remind ourselves of it. Yeah, the term the the word here that makes it so difficult is all. That's right. Yeah, some everyone can do some. Uh, you know when you. The way the way that I think about it is this way: uh, we we're not required to give our all to anything, 
except for God. And so that's what makes it so unique. And so, well, yeah, we get it. Love God. Okay, no problem. I love God. And, and most people sitting in church on Sunday love God to some capacity, you know. It's, the, the question is, is it 100%, right? Like, if you love God night with 99% of your heart and 99% of your mind, that's not all. Yeah, and that's the challenge. Yeah. And, and you, can, you can probably love your spouse with like 80% of your heart or, your, or you could love your child with say 90% and they might not ever be able to tell, but God knows, you know? And so there's this, there's this unique challenge of being completely consumed by your love for God um, that, that I think is worth pursuing. And, and I'm, I want to tell you, Mo, I'm, I'm, I'm not there yet. You know, I'm not there yet. Um, this is something I'm pursuing and I, I really believe that's what God wants us to do. Like he really wants us to just, he really wants us to ta- be talking about this right now. Yeah. You know, like think about, I feel so, I feel so honored that we're having this conversation because I, I really believe this is pleasing to God. Like he's, I think he's genuinely happy that we're talking about how we want to love him more, mm-hmm. you know, because that's, that's been his goal from the start. One of the things that you brought up on Sunday that helps us stay focused on the great commandment is found in Acts 2.42 when the early church is just being formed and things are starting to take off. And in, in Acts 2.42, it's, uh, it's a reminder um, of of these four things that they devoted their lives to that allowed them to live out this great commandment. Those four things that we've, we've, we've repeated over and over (laughs) and over and over. And I actually had a conversation with a guy this morning that stepped in my office. He was, he was in the building. He was just catching up on a few things and, and he was so excited for, um, the teaching on Sunday that you, that you brought, um, because in his men's Bible study uh, this morning, they were talking about very similar things, um, unplanned. Mm-hmm. But what we were kind of talking about is that this 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 idea—it's not a new idea—but this reminder of this devotion stated in Acts two forty two of devoting ourselves to the teaching of God, to fellowship, to communion, the remembrance of of these things. And to prayer has become a part of uh, and ingrained in the culture of conduit. Or if you if you call yourself a, a conduit, you know, you're part of this church fellowship, that you're going to come through these doors or be a part of what we're doing here. And over the course of time, you're going to start to absorb these four things in some way <laughs> because we talk about For it sure. so often. But but it's be it's because of the power that it that it gives the, the impact that it provides to keep us focused towards, um, serving him and loving him with all of our heart, soul, and mind that, that these four things, these devotions really do act as guardrails when we're following the taillights. Yeah. You know, here's what I love about it too. And, um, when I was preparing for the message, I felt like you, you know, I was, I kept coming back to Acts 242. 
because we're very practical people. I mean, if you go on, if you go on, if you look up how to do anything on YouTube, there's step by step by step things to do on how. So when Sammy and I were renovating our house in Ohio, I grew up not knowing how to do anything in a house. And I found myself for four years YouTubing how to, how to put a toilet in, how to build a shiplap wall, how to lay down vinyl plank flooring. And every single video has a step-by-step uh, discovery process explanation of how to do it. And you can literally pause it, do that step, hit play, and go back. It's so helpful. It's so helpful. <laughs> and so we know, like, we know that that's how we learn as people. And yet we often take the Bible and we make it, you know, all about theology, all about um, some high-level thought, and almost never talk about it as a practical tool, right? Mm-hmm. And Acts 2.42, why I love it, it's because Acts 2.42 is a four-step process to discipleship. Mm-hmm. It's a four-step process to love God. It's a four-step process to the Great Commission. It's a four-step process of how the early church actually lived their lives for Jesus. And what I said on Sunday is, you know, sometimes revelations in reverse, like sometimes you got to look back and see how they used to do it. You know, one example I would have in the same in the same vein is they used to build homes with solid oak beams, right? So the framing in the walls of old homes is solid oak. And those homes are still standing. I think, have you seen the YouTube video where uh, a wind blows through and it, and it blows down the framed home, like a new modern home? Yeah. And it just blows the whole <laughs> house over. over. Yeah. It just falls over like a, like a house of cards. That's the difference here is the, the old church, they did a lot of practical things to keep their, to maintain their love for God. And, and, you know, one, one thing that I, I run into often is people who are saying, oh, I just can't feel God. Or, you know, I just wish he would show me a sign or, or give me a word or uh, that he would show up in my life. I mean, and I know you've probably heard the same thing from people. And, and my question is always, are you pursuing him? You know, cause it's those who seek God that find God. He's, you have to actually open the door for him to come in. And I, I just believe this, these four devotions in Acts 2.42, man, it's a way to seek God. It's a way to, to, to grow and, and develop that love for God. That's too valuable for us to forget. Acts 2.42 then leads to Acts 2.43, 44, 45, Mm -hmm. when it talks about it added to their number daily. They saw signs and miracles. Added to that number daily um, is talking about those that were saved specifically. And that word saved is sozo in the Greek, which really implies a rescue, which I love that, that word. We were rescued out of this world yes, um, into um, eternity with him, with purpose and with hope. And one of the things you shared on Sunday was these real life practical things that are happening across the world where the great commandment 
you know, crashes right into the Great Commission and people are experiencing rescue. Tell us about yeah. your trip that you uh, you just got back from uh, in Asia. Um, was it like a month ago? Yeah, it's about a about a month ago. We we were in Asia, just kind of seeing some of the fruit of of if you're a conduit and you're part of our fellowship, some of the fruit of what conduit has done. And again, when I'm saying conduit, I, I mean the people sitting in 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 the chairs on a Sunday morning who decided to. To give what I love at the end of Acts two forty two, when you go to Acts two forty three and and it goes all the way to two forty seven, says there was a sense of awe. It says that everyone brought what they had and sold what they had, and then every need was met. Mm-hmm. And so we we got to go be the hands and feet of a a body of believers who have done just that. They they have brought in their excess they have they've decided where it should go and a lot of them have decided to to put it in this nation uh that we went to and so we've got to see lots and lots of families lots and lots of families we got to interview them spend time with them love on them, pray for them families that have been freed from slavery from this body of believers and um we also got to, you know, feed people at a gypsy camp, um, which is fascinating. If you didn't know, there are still gypsy camps in the world. There are literally gypsy camps, uh, and they are an ethnos. They're a, a people group, and they just kind of have been existing on vacant parcels of land for 20 years, and they are there is a, a ripeness for the gospel in those in those communities, uh, but it's hard to hear the gospel if your belly's rumbling. And so we got to show up with some food and on behalf of the believers here. Um, another thing we got to do was deliver out 3,000 Bibles in their language. And, um, you know, that's just another, it's another devotion of Acts 2.42. It's hard to be devoted to a Bible you don't have. Um, and so... That it was just a beautiful, beautiful trip. We we captured a lot of film, and actually we showed uh, a short video on on Sunday, just highlighting uh, what's what's been going on. And of course, our our wonderful partners, uh, Mark and Victoria Bowling, uh, they've been pouring their lives out for this for the last three years with us, and so it was just such a beautiful thing to see what happens when a, a church is devoted to these things. And you know what's be- beautiful about it, Mo, is no one set out with a vision or an agenda to accomplish it. It was literally added to us. And and you look in Acts 243, 244, 245, that number of people that were being added daily, they were it was just added. And so it's like, it's just a great thing to see what God can do through a group of people who are devoted to him. Um, and, and that's what we saw in Asia. Of course, Caleb Baldry was with me, so he was filming and, and you know, just utilizing his gift for the kingdom. Um, but, yeah, we were just thankful to, to return. That Of course, that place has been shut down for the last few years. We haven't been able to get in, uh, but the door's back open now. How many families were freed in 2022? 
Do you remember off the top of your head? I, I want to say it was 164. It's incredible. 164 families. And when I hear that number, I mean, it's, it's, it's a number, but that's 164 families that have their own, I mean, that's generational change. Absolutely. That's 164 family lines, branches that will um, spread out over time of children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren that will experience prayerfully, hopefully, freedom, not only in their just their lifestyle, but f- spiritual freedom and understanding the, the implications of, of freedom from... Uh, from the very beginning, from from a father or a grandfather that is now no longer has to make bricks every day, and to be able to provide for his family in a way that's wholesome and true, for their children to now learn that um, and and see that play out through the love of Christ is a generation. It's a hundred and sixty four generational change over time. And you know what's cool to think about is every year that those 164 uh, families are free is 164 years worth of slavery eradicated. Love that. And if you do the math uh, for, for all of the families, you know, we've, we're been, we've been at this for three years now almost. Mm-hmm. So when you do the math for all the families, which is well over 300, um, that's a lot of years of slavery. I mean, the Israelites were in slavery for 400 years, mm-hmm. you know? And so we have essentially almost eradicated that much slavery. Uh, so it's pretty incredible to, to just, it's so incredible to be a part of it, you know? Like everyone's doing a little bit and everyone's just, it's been, and it's the fact that Jesus lets us take part in this is so beautiful. Right before Christmas, as we were kind of locking up the offices for the day at the end of the week, I had a family, um, there was this truck pulls into the parking lot on like two wheels. <laughs> like they could see we're like leaving for the day for the office and they, they pull around to the back and they see us and they're like waving us down. And they were so excited to hand us um, a check um, that was going to go towards Operation Freedom. And that was like the one thing that they were, that they, as a family, they devoted themselves as a family to free a family this year. And they wanted to make sure that we got that before we closed up the offices oh, I for, love that. For, the, for Christmas. And that was like their Christmas gift, not to the church or to that family, for themselves. Like Yeah, to each other. To each other. Like we're committing to freeing a family as a family. And the ripple effect of that is is pretty amazing because those are those are kids watching that and learning the value of that and what that means, the impact that that has um, on a child to understand, to have knowledge of what all of that means. Oh, it's so it's it's such a marker for the future. You know that reminds me of when we when we started this. It, Victoria. Bowling made a post on Facebook. Like that's how this started. And it was such a small action in response to something that Jesus is so clearly passionate about. And from there, I, I saw the post and made a video on Facebook. And that's how the first family was funded. And that that first Christmas, I had a, uh, 
a family in in uh, our church, local church in Ohio that that I was working with, and a family came up to me and they said, "You know what we're going to do for Christmas this year? We're going to free a family." And so that just reminded That's me cool. of of the same thing where they they four went, you know, gifts for each other, just more stuff to uh, make an eternal difference in another family. And I love that about I love that about the church in general. Is this is this is the design. And this is the game plan. Well, Jesus is passionate about making disciples. And that's one of the things that you kind of ended. That was your second taillight is the great commission that they would go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. That's the great commission. And one of the one of the the ways that um, the Great Commission is playing out here in Conduit is something that you've you launched, you've helped launch over the past six months is something called the Circle, and the Circle is our young adults ministry, and um, which is we've had a young adult small groups in the past. And we're kind of to the point where um, it's made sense now to launch a young adult service. And so tell us about that. That's, that's happening each and every week. Well, it will soon, but for now it's, uh, it's every few weeks. So our next meeting is Tuesday the 10th at 630. We meet right here at Conduit. And, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. It, it, we started it be, mainly because it, it was clear that God was telling us to make room for this and make room for this generation. And we had some, some young adults who started showing up at service uh, here at Conduit, and uh, we started to get to know them. And it was right around the same time that some of our, our internal leaders and our staff members were who are young adults, you know, who we were saying, what could this look like? What, you know, what would God have us do? And, you know, as is the conduit way, we just looked to the scripture and just, we just, we didn't really use a model. We just said, let's, let's go, let's see what this would look like. And and we launched it and, you know, our first meeting, 50 people showed up and, um, and we were off to the races. And now it's clear to me uh, that, that, well, God was right. Uh, we did need to make room for this generation. Um, and when it comes to the Great Commission, that is our focus. Uh, so this is primarily a full-throated discipleship uh, movement. Uh, it's not a, a gimmick and it's not a marketing ploy. It's, it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with, with gathering for any reason, in my opinion. Uh, but we are intentionally gathering to take 18 to 30 year olds through a discipleship process. What's the biggest question that they're asking? That age group coming up right now in the thick of things, they've graduated high school, they're in college or they're starting families or they're in the workforce. Yeah. What, what, what's the sentiment amongst this age group right now that is, you know, they're in the, they're in the workforce or they're, they're, they're in college. They are starting families. What, what are they asking? What are they thinking? Where are they at? Yeah, they, they're, they're, it's universal too. This is what's amazing. I mean, if it's it's nine or 10 out of 10, it's unbelievable how much they all want to know the same thing, which is what is my purpose? What am I here for? What am I made for? Like 
most of them, you got to think of it, they're in a season of life where they're not in the dream job. They're not in a uh, career setting that was that's giving them life. Most of them just have jobs. Most of them are, a lot of them are not married. They're not, they've not, you know, kind of found any purpose in, in being a husband or a wife or a, a father or a mother. And so they all want to know, am I on the r- right path? What is my purpose? And, and they want to make sure in the right place with the right people. And so knowing that we, when we launched the circle, I, I taught, uh, you know, on a passage of scripture where Jesus gives us insight to what he did as a young adult. And it's a fun Bible study. It won't take you very long at all uh, because there's not much written about Jesus from 12 to 30. But what you will see is he grew in wisdom and stature and he grew in favor with God and man. And if you look at that, that word stature in the Greek, it has multiple meanings. Um, it means uh, he grew up in age. He grew up in size, of course. But there's a cool meaning behind it too that that essentially says that he was being prepared for a work. And I love that because it gets you uh, it gets you thinking differently. Um, he also grew in favor with God and man. So he 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 grew in favor with God. Well, you got to go. What's that? What's that mean? What if I'm growing in favor with God? I would say that looks a lot like Acts two forty two. He was learning how to worship God, how to love God, how to hear from God, how to talk to God. He grew in favor with God. And then growing in favor with man, he was building relationships. He was building relationships because it turns out we need each other. We have to have, God is not a lone wolf God. He's not, a, he's not using people who are out there on their own. He uses groups of people. And so they, he was growing in favor and, and with God and man. And so these kids, these young adults, they, they basically want to have community, build relationship with each other. And this is where I was telling them, Jesus started his mission at 30. Take a breath. Take a breath. I, I know all these TikTok influencers, they're telling you how, how to start a $2 million business by the time you're 21. That is all rubbish. Like, take a breath. Take, you can do, if you want to be like Jesus, be like Jesus. And, and as far as we can see from his young adult years, he grew, he just, he just grew in wisdom and stature and he grew in favor with God and man. And so if you're doing that and you're a young adult, that's your purpose for this season. That's, that's the whole point. And so we gave them that, that, just little nugget of truth to cling to and go, oh, I guess, I guess the pace of life that the world says I have to live by, I guess I don't have to do that. And so we're trying to, we're trying to build that into the culture and, but it's all for them. It's all about purpose. They're, they're purposeful. They're a purposeful generation. They care about authenticity. They care about making a difference. They care about their life, meaning something. And so the, all of the questions center around that. Well, I think, I'm trying to think of the best way to ask this. Um, you know, one of the things that you just said is, is what am I experiencing as well for 
for that age group. And that is the authenticity. Like they are straight shooters Mm -hmm. that this age group is kind of tired of the, if I can say this of the bull crap. (laughs) Yeah. They're tired of the fluff. They're tired of the hype. Yep. And they want it. They, they want the bottom line. Give it to me straight truth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They they want to be treated like adults. Yeah. Imagine that. Mm -hmm. And so they, a lot of them have grown up in cultures that, you know, let me say this with as much grace and compassion and mercy as I can. They've grown up going to a lot of worship nights, a lot of, you, you know, a lot of hype events, whether it be dodgeball or kickball or whatever. They, they've grown up with a lot of this and now they're thrust into an actual real world. And the practical parts aren't there. The, the relational parts aren't there. So, so they're wondering, how, how, do, how do people even get from A to B? You know, And what I believe is this. I, I, I believe that we are in the midst of a discipleship crisis. And we are in the midst of a discipleship crisis because everyone wants a, a three-step process. It, there's one, two, three, and I'm there. And that's not what it looked like with Jesus. We skip past the part where the disciples lived every day for three years with him. Like they would have, if you imagine just some of the assumptions you can make about discipleship with Jesus, you would imagine they learn how to cook fish with him they would have learned how to do carpentry from him learn just how to fish just in general how to fish in general how, how to process their emotions how to how to process their thoughts uh, they watched the way he moved the way he responded to people and then they became like that and so it's more than he could have taught them in a sermon it's way more than that you know and we have a lack of this today so we were hungry to create a place that that could exist, like a place where they could plug in with some people who are maybe a decade ahead of them and just go like, hey, I know when you when you've the first time you owed money on taxes, like how 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 did you plan for that the next year? Or I, I feel called to start a business. What What's my first step? The, that stuff's not in the Bible. That stuff's in a disciple maker. With the name of the circle being the circle, how did you come to that? Yeah, I, what I, the scripture that led me to that was, it wasn't really scripture as much. It was just the fact that we could see this this picture of the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had an inner circle: Peter, James, and John. John called himself the one that Jesus loved. He was a son, and he was sure of it. You know, like. So you see these guys who had, they had a different experience. They had different access to Jesus than the other disciples to the point where they went up and they were like on the Mount of Transfiguration. They see Jesus shine. They see like Elijah. They see like all the, what a scene that would be. And they were up there and like, you want us to, they're like, Jesus, hey, you want us to uh, make you a tabernacle? Like, <laughs> should we make three of them? You know, one for Moses, one for Elijah, one for you. So it's just, I just would, what it led me to is a question of, is that, one, is that true for us? Two, if we could lean into Jesus like the inner circle, 
what would happen to a generation that did that? What would happen to the city we live in, right? We, we live near Nashville. We live in Franklin, Tennessee. What would happen to Franklin, Tennessee if 60 or 70 or 100 young adults tried to get inner circle status, right? And so that was the initial name of the circle. Uh, Then it turns out, circle just turned out to be just such a good uh, image of what we were going for, right? I mean, you think of a game huddle, you, you know, you think of a huddle, like a team, they always huddle in a circle. And that's when you get your directions from the coach. You lean in and listen. Um, Mo, you know, you're a coach and you're a football coach. And so, you know, they lean in around you and listen. Um, there's the imagery of the wedding ring being a circle because circles are eternal, right? And then, of course, just the the, the language we use here, your circle are your people, you know, and and the point is that all of these different circles can can live in one place. Like you can have your business people, you can have your your network, you can have your your inner circle, and they can all come to the same uh, the same place. Funny story um, about uh, the 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 huddle. You know, I coach sixth grade football, so it's just ripe with all kinds of amazing stories. <laughs> and so what is we huddled up, gave them the play and they get the quarterback, you know, gets the team in position or whatever. They're on the line, getting ready to run this play. And he, he calls kill, kill, kill. And he's, he's changing the play to an audible. These are sixth graders. <laughs> and so I, we hear him yelling, kill, 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 calling an audible me and the other coach look at each other. Like, do we have audible? Do we have an audible? Like, we don't. Like, there's one play he's supposed to run. Like, he just made up a play in the huddle and killed it to that, <laughs> which is hilarious. And something that we do a lot on our ourselves, right? Like, we've been given the play. Mm. We've been given the directions. We've been given the play, the playbook. And we're calling audibles ourselves all day long to, to do the things that we want to do. And it's, it's, it's amazing how these these little instances uh, in life are just reminders, you know, these little analogies for, for us, you know, a sixth grade football team, but it's true. We are, we're bad about calling our own audibles to things that we want to do selfishly. Yeah. That take us away from the plays and the great commandment, the great commission that we're called to run. It's like when you think about calling a football game, right? There's a whole scheme. Right. And so there's a, there's an offensive scheme because you've studied the defense and you, right. you're looking at the a coach is an offensive coordinator is looking at the big play. He's looking at the big picture. He's looking at the whole game plan. Right. And he's not thinking about that one play. He's thinking about the entire game. And God is the offensive coordinator in this scenario. And, and he's, he's told us what to do. And we're well, I, I kind of want to do it in a different way. I don't really want to, I want to be, there's this quote that is, is really powerful. And I I don't know who, who said it, someone can look it up, but, um, the, it's essentially that the, the danger in life is not failing. It's succeeding in something that doesn't matter. That's the danger. And so the, the, the scary part for us is like, what if, we, what if we succeed in something that doesn't matter? What if we've, what if we're successful in something that's adjacent to what the offensive coordinator has called? 
And it's like, you know, the quarterback runs the ball instead of throws it and he gains five yards and he's really happy about gaining five yards, but you needed six for a first down, you know? And so it's like, you haven't succeeded at all. Yeah. You did your own thing. And, and I, I really believe that, especially when it comes to young people or even us, I, I believe that when we, when we start practicing these things, like when we start actually being devoted, it sounds good on paper, but what if you actually did it? It sounds, it sounds like, okay, yeah, we believe that. And it's easy to believe something, but, but as I said on Sunday, you know, believing isn't doing and, and God has called us to be doers of the word, not just hearers. There's a language that Jesus shares over and over. And it's this language of obedience, you know, even in the great commission that you just read, teach them to obey the commands I gave you. Like that's what a disciple does. And so there's something that's waiting for us on the other side of obedience that will prove it was a good choice. That's right. It You will finish and you'll go, I am really, really glad I did the right thing. Can you ever name a time where you're like, I wish I would have done the wrong thing in your life? You've never said that. You never, you never did the right thing. You're like, man, I really... I regret not doing the wrong thing. <laughs> right. Like yeah, that Correct. never happens. Yeah. You, but, it, but there are times where you've done the wrong thing and you look back and you go, I wish I would have done the right thing. And so my, I guess the point I'm trying to make, God's promises are true. That's right. They just, they work. They're true. And that, that, that's on the other side of obedience. One of the things that we're, calling our church to, um, in, in terms of devotion, as we wrap this up today is, um, 21 days of prayer and fasting, Mm. um, beginning January the 8th, this coming Sunday, for those that are listening this week, between January 8th and January 29th, we're going to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. We're devoting ourselves to not only prayer, um, but to a time of fasting, yeah. a time of um, removing that thing that perhaps uh, is a distraction or that we depend on too much um, and truly depend on Jesus for sustenance, depend on the Holy Spirit to to guide us and um, give us the thing that we need to get through the day yeah. in order for us to hear his voice, in order for us to... Um, to be tuned in very clearly and very directly to what the Lord is trying to say to us. Prayer and fasting. Um, that, that practice alone is, is, a, is a devotion um, that can bring a lot of clarity. Yeah, it's worship, you know, and, and I've, of course, fasting is not just about not eating, but it's about listening and pursuing uh, the Holy Spirit, pursuing Jesus, um, it's about hearing, you know? And so fasting is really about slowing down, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so keep breaking bread, but for the 21 days, we're going to we're gonna maybe slow down breaking the bread a little bit. If you want to know more about that, we're going to be sending out daily reminders and encouragement and prayer and verses through that time. You can find out and uh, sign up to receive those updates. Find out through our website, conduitchurch.com main page. There's a prayer and fasting link there. 
on the Church Center app, there's also a prayer and fasting link that you can learn more about what we're doing. And if you want to know more about Operation Freedom and perhaps watch the video that Caleb and Eric just put together detailing what's happening, um, you can find that on our website as well. If you want to learn more about The Circle and jump in, perhaps you have someone that you know would want to be a part of what's happening here with young adults at Conduit. All that information, again, at our website, on the Church Center app. We would love to have you um, jump in with us. Yeah. And um, in Sunday, you know, this Sunday, we're going we're gonna to launch back into our Believe series, uh, John chapter 7. Darren's going to be uh, getting us back focused on this on this book as uh, we continue continue the series that you know it's gonna take as long as it's gonna take right <laughs> <laughs> I mean we're, we're six months in what's what's another six months that's right um because it's word by word it's verse by verse it's chapter by chapter immersing ourselves being devoted to the teaching of the word and what we have gained from from this study has been fantastic and what we gained from this past Sunday you reminding us to follow the taillights um, as dusty and as muddy as it may get for you listening this year perhaps even in the first weekend of this year it's already gotten uh it's gotten challenging. It's been hard to see already. Reminder to follow the taillights, to to live by the, the great commandment, to follow the great commission, to devote ourselves to those four things in 242, allow those things to be guardrails for us. Anything you would want to share heading into uh, this year? Yeah, You know, I I think the, bi- the big thing is the just... F- the great commandment, pursue a love of, of God like you never have. Um, and the rest of it is, is simply added in, you know, it, devotion, time over task. That's what's going to make a difference. Uh, it's so easy to get distracted, but, but I really believe that, that God is calling us back to our first love. And we're in a time where we're, we get the amazing privilege to discover the benefits of that, you know, this year. So I just feel a lot of hope about around 2023. And, and if you are, if you are out there listening to this and maybe you, maybe you're not feeling so hopeful about this year, maybe you're not, maybe last year was incredibly difficult for you. I I just want to tell you to come back to your first love. It's good. Good reminder. Thanks for listening. And also thank you to our new podcast producer, Caleb, who has taken over the, the producer chair for producer Micah. We now have producer Caleb. So thanks for jumping in, Caleb. And yeah, if you're, if you're just now joining us on the, on the deeper podcast, you can obviously subscribe and get all of the updates, whether through Spotify or Apple music. We have a YouTube channel that you can go back and watch Sunday services. Just search conduit church. All of that can be found at conduitchurch.com. 